You're listening to the PCOS Collective, the podcast that helps you manage your PCOS symptoms without restriction. I'm your host, Alex Williams, a registered associate nutritionist who specializes in PCOS management and food freedom. Before we get started, a quick message from this season's sponsor. This season of the PCOS Collective is sponsored by Time Health. Time Health produce UK-made, high-quality inositol supplements for people with PCOS. Keep listening to learn more about Time Health's inositol products and for an exclusive discount code for listeners of the PCOS Collective. everybody welcome to today's episode i'm joined by nicola salmon who is a fat positive fertility coach acupuncturist and the author of an incredible book fat and fertile Uh, so hi nicola thank you so much for being here oh thank you so much for inviting me alex i'm so excited to be able to chat with you thank you so much do you mind telling us a little bit more about you and how you became to be a fat positive fertility coach absolutely so it was quite a convoluted journey to getting to this unique title which I now have bestowed upon myself. Um, I was diagnosed with PCOS at 16 which is polycystic ovarian syndrome which I know you guys have been talking a lot about um, because it's PCOS awareness month right now isn't it Um, and yeah I at 16 so this was 20 years ago now I had no idea what it was I had no idea what it meant Um, all my doctor told me was that I wouldn't be able to get pregnant and that weight loss would help. So I was put on the oral contraceptive pill, sent on my merry way. And that really started the kind of intense yo-yo dieting that took up the rest of my teenage years and all of my 20s, um, jumping from one diet to another diet to another diet, um, which I'm sure for folks in bigger bodies who are listening is such a a try you know a tired story now. It's just so so many people I think have experienced that. Um, throughout, kind of, you know, I did the uni thing. I went to uni. I studied science. I then got a job um, in London, and this kind of traumatic incident happened while I was living in London. A guy got shot outside my flat of the place where I was living, which was super sad. Um, but I suffered from post-traumatic stress disorder because of that. And the only thing that I found that helped after trying loads of things was acupuncture, which was really bizarre for me because I had no idea what it was. I had no idea how it worked. Um, so I was so intrigued by it that I decided to train as an acupuncturist completely not part of any plan that I had. It was completely kind of a spur of the moment thing. But I signed up for this four-year qualification and off I went and did acupuncture and naturopathy, um, which led me beautifully into working with folks with fertility because obviously of my own PCOS stuff going on, I was super interested in hormones and fertility, what that would mean. Um, But when I was doing that work, I realized that actually there was so much more that I could be doing in terms of like emotional and mental health support because folks you know it's not just a case of like one and done like this impacts every single part of people's lives um so I trained as a fertility coach and then kind of through all this like training and work I was um I met my husband we got married we decided that we wanted to start having um trying for children 
And I was expecting it to be so difficult for us. I was expecting to have to go through IVF. Um, you know, I didn't know what was going to happen because of what the doctor had told me. But we got pregnant really quickly. We had super simple conceptions and pregnancies with both our children. And that was really the first seed that was planted in me of like, well, why was it so easy for us? And, you know, I was still in my biggest body at that time. I still had 100 plus day cycles of my PCOS. And I had, no, I wasn't tracking. I wasn't doing any of the things that I, you know, talk to folks about doing. So it was just like, why? Like, why was it so easy? Why was I told it was going to be so hard? Um, And then when I'd had my first son, I just got so tired and fed up of dieting. I was just exhausted from, you know, being pregnant, having given birth, having a baby. Um, and I was like, I don't have the energy to start now trying to lose weight, which there's so much pressure on folks who've just had babies to like bounce back to their pre-baby weight or whatever that garbage is. So I quit dieting, I quit weighing myself, and then luckily 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 I was like early into my Instagram days then and I found this whole community of folks who were in bigger bodies who were just being happy with themselves and not trying to lose weight not trying to change themselves and I was just like wow like I can't believe these people exist and like there's people in this world who are not trying to make themselves smaller so that was really the beginnings of my learning around fat activism, fat liberation, um, you know, body liberation. And it just, you know, every time I learned something else, it just blew my mind even more. Um, And I just realized that I had to start talking about this in the fertility world because all fat folks were given was like weight loss, like just go away and lose weight as if it was that simple. And it just felt so important that I started talking about it because People were feeling so judged and shamed and blamed for their for stuff that was going on for their fertility that had nothing to do with their body size, but they just felt like they were broken and they'd failed and they were just already a bad parent before even getting pregnant. So that's kind of the catalyst that started it all. And I've been learning and you know doing research since then and just trying to build up a body of work that supports folks who want to get pregnant in bigger bodies and doesn't judge or shame them. Thank you so much for sharing your story. It's really, really interesting. And um, I, you know, really, really value your work as a practitioner. And I know a lot of my clients really respect and value your work as well. So thank you so much for that. And you've kind of touched on it already, but what are the biggest issues surrounding people in bigger bodies who want to get pregnant and maybe need to access fertility treatment? So there's really two huge factors that impact fat folks in a different way to folks in smaller bodies the first like you said is access it's being able to get tests treatments um, in order to find out what's going on with their hormonal systems and if they do need extra support like getting that support so many people struggle to get any form of like hormone tests like blood tests um, and access you know kind of medications or treatments without just being dis- either just dismissed and just gone, you know, go away and come back when you're X pounds lighter. Or they have a real battle and they're made to feel like they're already being quite irresponsible by even requesting to have this kind of care and support. Um, and then the other, the other kind of side of that coin is 
that people are already expecting that judgment and shame when they go to the doctor. Like folks in bigger bodies get this day in, day out, whether that's through their fertility care, whether that's any other kind of healthcare concern that they have. So they are almost preempting that judgment and shame. So they put off going to the doctor. They believe that, you know, well, if I just, just did lose this weight, then maybe that will make a difference and maybe I won't need to go to the doctor. So they delay getting access to even trying to get access to that care. And they really put it all on themselves that it's all their fault um, because they can't get pregnant. And that is so it impacts their mental health so much. And, it, you know, we know that there's so much increased incidences of depression and anxiety for for folks who are going through fertility stuff and we know it affects people of all bodies you know like folks of all different sizes struggle with their fertility it's not just something that happens to fat folks and um but yeah they're the ones that are you know marginalized and oppressed when they're trying to access this care Mm -hmm. and then pair it with pcos which people with PCOS do tend to have that lower self-esteem mm. because of the stigmatization around certain sy- symptoms like the infertility but also you know excess body hair you know you're adding oh, yeah. all of this up and then yeah and then you're just yeah, it's just stigma on stigma and it's just yeah it's absolutely horrendous let's talk a little bit about IVF and other kind of general fertility treatments why do people get told to lose weight is there any science behind that is there any evidence or is it just one of those things that doctors tend to say Oh my gosh, you will not believe the number of reasons that I've heard that doctors deny IVF for fat folks. Like, we could be here for hours talking about all of them, but they mainly fall under like four broad topics. So the first is that weight loss will like magically make things better. And absolutely, you won't even need the treatment if you lose weight. Like that is the first one. Um, And like we know, like there is no evidence to support the long-term efficacy of weight loss. We know that diets do not work in the long term, short term results are only ever short term, and that there are real risks associated with weight loss, like increased mental health concerns, disordered eating, eating disorders, like this is not without any form of risk. So that's kind of the first one, they're just like, well, weight loss cures everything, which we know it doesn't. The second one is around efficacy, so how well the treatments work. Um, there's kind of two camps of research in this field of like BMI and fertility treatments. The first kind of camp gives everybody the same protocol. So they give, regardless of your weight, they give you the same drugs at the same different times. And of course, in an ideal world, using a controlled study, that makes sense because you want to reduce the variables. But what mm-hmm. happens is that often fat folks need higher doses of medications. So when you're giving everybody the same doses, it leads to higher cancel, higher cycle cancellations and lower pregnancy rates because this is just not what fat bodies need. Mm-hmm. But when you look at the studies that actually take that into consideration, increased doses, look at personalized doses based on how people are responding to medications, all the outcomes become the same. Pregnancy rates, cycle cancellations, you know, um, early pregnancy loss, like all these things become equal. So it's actually nothing to do with like that we're not as you know our bodies don't respond as well to IVF it's just that we're not being treated appropriately the third camp is around safety of IVF and IUI and this is just a whole bag of tricks because there's so many different things that doctors will go okay well you're at higher risk of blood clots or you're at higher risk of OHSS which is another side effect of IVF or anesthetic won't work for you or it's too dangerous to give you anesthetic but every single one of those complications 
it doesn't hold up. The research does not suggest that it's more dangerous for folks in bigger bodies. And actually, for some things like OHSS, it's a lower risk for folks in a, B, in a higher BMI. So it's really interesting that the research does not support that at all. And then finally, the last one is all around pregnancy risk. So doctors will claim that it's unethical for them to help someone get pregnant in the bigger body because of the increased risk of complications during pregnancy. And whilst they do exist, like it's really important for folks to know and be able to consent to those risks, um, they are not the like crazy high risks that doctors will often lead folks to believe. So, for example, gestational diabetes, I think the rate is around like two to three percent in a general population of folks in quote unquote normal bodies. But for folks with the higher BMI back brackets, it's around 10%. So while it's still a big jump, and it's really useful to know that that jump there is there, 90% of folks still don't get gestational diabetes. And um, none of the papers that look into that look into weight stigma, which we know has a real impact on folks' health, You know whether that's you know, how they're treated during their pregnancy, how they're made to feel about being pregnant in a bigger body, the risks that they're told, you know, how that impacts their anxiety levels and their chronic inflammation levels. And, you know, it's so much bigger than just the fat in my body is making something bad happen. So, yeah, there's no nuance to the research and it's so, like, grey. There's no black and white to it. And mm -hmm. the problem is that because of the scientists who are doing the research, who aren't have bias and have fat bias, as we all do, like, the research conclusions say okay well we've seen this correlation so fat is bad don't give people you know support in getting pregnant and it just leads to this situation where folks cannot access care mm -hmm. it's fascinating how much poor science you know there is in kind of in weight science in general and how in any other field you wouldn't get published but then when <laughs> you know people say you know, i see it in papers it's just straight up you know, this equals this, and it's, you know, obesity causes this. We don't have that evidence to say that. Mm. And in, like I said, in any other field, it'd be, that'd be flagged by the reviewer and it'd be, that wouldn't, that would never get published in a million years. And it's just, we just assume, we just take it as Bible now, you know, as gospel, yeah. sorry, that that's, that is what it is. And the majority of population do still think that way. So it's just, it's just so interesting. And it's, it's anger inducing when, you know, I'm hearing you speak and you just get so, I get frustrated and you must just, it must be difficult for you to, to listen to all of this on a, on a day to day kind of basis. And does it how do how does it affect you listening to this constantly? I mean, it's so hard because you know these are people who want to grow their family, and you know I almost imagine myself in a parallel universe, like going through the same stuff. And you know I feel like because I am so fortunate to have my family to have not gone through this problem it almost gives me that energy to fight for the folks who don't have this energy because this work is exhausting you know having to go through research like folks don't you know unless you've got a science background which I'm lucky to have like folks who haven't got that don't have the capacity or maybe the experience to be able to create these resources to be able to advocate for their care you know and it really you know it's quite a classist thing it's mm -hmm. um it just means that the people who need that support the most, so the poorer folks in our population, like don't have that access. And it's, you know, it's rampant within our, you know, in the UK, in the NHS system as well. Like the folks who need NHS the most are the ones who are being left out of the conversation because 
you know, I've had doctors admit to me freely that it is a cost-saving measure. Like they don't provide care above the BMI of 30 in the UK to save money. And it is entirely unethical. It is so discriminatory and it's just not acceptable. I love recommending Time Health and Nostal supplements to my clients, as a Nostal can be so useful to help people with PCOS manage their symptoms. But there are so many Nostal supplements out there, it can feel overwhelming figuring out which one to choose. The reason I recommend Time Health supplements is because both their Nostal complex capsules and Myo and D-Chiro Nostal powder form contain the optimal, research-based 40 to 1 ratio of Myo to D-Chiro Nostal. This is believed to mirror the physiological ratio of inositol in the body and may work more effectively than taking the inositols individually. To get 15% off your Time Health order, use the code The Collective Wellness 15 at checkout. That's The Collective Wellness 15. Thank you, Time Health. Do you have any advice for people in bigger bodies, you know, especially with PCOS, who are looking to get pregnant? How can they advocate for themselves in our current healthcare system to kind of get the, the care that they deserve? Mm. It's Advocacy is a skill that we have to learn. It's not something that we're ever taught. So I think it's really helpful for folks going into it, knowing, OK, I'm, I don't need to be very good at this from the beginning. Mm-hmm. Like, I'm just learning I'm doing my best and that is absolutely okay, especially for folks who have had negative experiences with their doctors in the past. Like this stuff is hard work. Like so many folks maybe don't identify that they've had some kind of medical trauma, but that's what it is. Like when you are put in a position where you are judged or shamed or told something awful about your body because it's fat, like that is trauma and that has you know, impact on how you then are in healthcare appointments, like your, um, you know, your nervous system will start to respond to that. And often folks will think, well, I did a bad job, or I started crying, or I couldn't say the right words. And that is totally okay, because that is just your nervous system trying to protect you from this really, really stressful situation. So what I recommend to folks is that they prepare as much as they can. So that involves writing down every single question that they want to ask so that they can make an informed choice. Um, Getting as much research as they can get their hands on. Like I've got some free resources on my website. I also like create these for clients. Just every bit of research that they can possibly find to support their position. Um, Decide what you want the outcome of that appointment to be before you go in. So you know what you're going and asking for so that you can kind of try and steer the conversation as much you can to getting that outcome Um, and also creating some strong boundaries if you're able to Um, so like making sure they don't talk about dieting and weight loss and asking not to be weighed like depending on how comfortable you feel with that and how how you're doing on the day you can totally try and set some boundaries like that with your healthcare provider Um, and the last tip that I always like to do to give folks is if somebody denies you care Ask them to note that on your medical record if it feels safe to do so. Sometimes it won't feel safe to do so, and that's okay. But if it feels safe to do so, ask them to note it on your record that they've denied you that care. Because often when it's with their responsibility and like the book will stop with them, then they will go, okay, well, maybe we can do that this time for you. So it's just about finding ways to get 
the care that you need in in any way that you can and if you can get support people like you Alex or like me like having somebody on your side who feels safe to talk to who you know is going to be able to back you up you know like I contact clinics for people I write letters for people I try and do as much of that work for them as I can so that they don't have to it's just all about doing whatever you can within your means to make it as easy for yourself as possible Mm-hmm. yeah thank you for those tips um and i know you have a really useful resource of fertility clinics in mm-hmm. what well, is across the world actually i think you've yes. got now of yeah which people have had positive experiences at so that could be a really good um, useful resource as well so mm-hmm. hopefully because you know we give the well you give these tips and i talk to my clients about it but we don't want you to have to advocate for yourself we want you to be able to go somewhere where you're treated equally um Absolutely. so that's yeah something important to note um, thank you. That was that was really, really useful. And kind of finally, what is one thing that you would tell people with PCOS who really want to get pregnant? Um, what kind of tips do you have for people like that? Mm. So I think the number one thing that I would love folks to take away is that it, it might not be difficult for you. Like, mm. I expected it to be so hard and it absolutely wasn't. Like, I think sometimes if we go in, we can already feel like our stress levels rising if we're anticipating things are going to be difficult. So I would say don't assume that there's going to be anything wrong. Even if your cycle cycles are super irregular, that doesn't mean that anything, you know, it's going to be difficult. Um, and for a lot of folks with PCOS who have irregular cycles, sometimes it can just be figuring out what when you're ovulating and that can just be that thing that you need. So I recommend to clients that they... You know, they can track their basal body temperatures and just Google that if you don't know what I'm talking about. Sometimes just tracking your libido can really help, like libido can increase around ovulation. Um, Just tracking if you get any kind of pains or aches that you might notice around ovulation. Just getting in touch with your body can be a really nice way of, of starting to notice if and when you're ovulating. There are also some really good um, technologies out there. Something that I recommend a lot to folks is called a mirror which um, tests your LH, your estrogen and your progesterone. And that can be so useful to give you actual figures rather than just the um, the ovulation predictor kits, which especially for folks with PCOS can be really hit and miss. Like often they won't give accurate results, but things like the mirror, they give you like an actual level. So it will give you like in whatever parts per mole or whatever units they are, like exactly what your reading is. So even if yours is lower, and wouldn't be picked up by an ovulation predictor kit because it's all relative like to your baseline you'll be able to see when you ovulate so just having that kind of information is so useful especially when you can't access things like that from your um, doctor if they're not being really helpful there's a lot you can take into your own hands to start figuring out when you ovulate if you ovulate what your hormones are doing um and yeah and there's loads of stuff that you can do that's totally not weight loss um you know related that can really support you so getting loads of sleep can be really helpful mm-hmm. eating enough food you know finding some strength-based exercise that can be supportive and um if you you know whatever movement you find either joyful or supportive for your health like all those things can make a really big difference and it doesn't have nothing to do with what you're eating or, or how often you're eating or anything like that mm-hmm, definitely thank you so much for those tips i find that obviously as a nutritionist I work with my clients through intuitive eating Mm. and doing that process can really help people with the kind of the other side of it which is becoming more in tune with those symptoms like you were saying symptoms of ovulation it all just ties in so nicely and that's why I'm such a big advocate for it um 
tuning into your body is never a bad thing. Mm -hmm. So thank you so much for those useful tips. Um, So thank you so much for joining us. That was all the questions I had today, but we really could talk for hours. Um, (laughs) Where can people find out a bit more about you and work with you? So I'm mainly over on Instagram. My handle is fat positive fertility. Um, I answer all my DMs over there. So if you have any questions, if there's any resources that you need or want, um, you know, just send me a message over there and I'll be so happy to help. Um, if people want to work with me, I um, my website is www.nicolasalmon.co.uk and I do like one-off one-to-ones with folks. I have a 12-month group program called the Fat Positive Fertility Family, which is kind of like my mixture of like one-to-one community support and all the tools and, and research that I have that I share with folks. So that's kind of what I found to be the most effective way that people can access all the different components that they need in order to support themselves. Um, But yeah, if anybody's got any questions, you know, I'm so happy to, to help to listen to people venting and just to, you know, be a safer space for folks if they've been having problems finding safe care. Thank you so much. Um, And yeah, speak to you soon. Thank you. Thank you for listening to the PCOS Collective. If you've enjoyed today's podcast, please rate, review and subscribe and join me every Wednesday for a new episode.